0: Chapter 3. Now behold, it came to pass that I, Jacob, having ministered much unto my people in word, and I cannot write but little of my words because of the difficulty of engraving our words upon plates, and we know that the things which we write upon plates must remain. But whatsoever things we write upon anything save it be upon plates must perish and vanish away, but we can write a few words upon plates, which will give our children and also our beloved brethren a small degree of knowledge concerning us or concerning their fathers. Now in this thing we do rejoice, and we labor diligently to engrave in these words upon plates, hoping that our beloved brethren and our children will receive them with thankful hearts and look upon them that they may learn with joy and not with sorrow, neither with contempt concerning their first parents. For for this intent have we written these things, that they may know that we knew of Christ, and we had a hope of His glory many hundred years before His coming. And not only we ourselves had a hope of His glory, but also all the holy prophets which were before us. Behold, they believed in Christ, and worshipped the Father in His name, and also we worship the Father in His name. And for this intent we keep the law of Moses, it pointing our souls to him, and for this cause it is sanctified unto us for righteousness, even as it was accounted unto Abraham in the wilderness, to be obedient unto the commandments of God and offering up his son Isaac, which is a similitude of God and his only begotten Son. Wherefore we search the prophets, and we have many revelations, and the spirit of prophecy, and having all these witnesses we obtain a hope, and our faith becometh unshaken, in so much that we truly can command in the name of Jesus, and the very trees obey us, or the mountains, or the waves of the sea. Nevertheless, the Lord God showeth us our weakness that we may know that it is by His grace and His great condescensions unto the children of men that we have power to do these things. Behold, great and marvelous are the works of the Lord. How unsearchable are the depths of the mysteries of Him, and it is impossible that man should find out all his ways. And no man knoweth of his ways, save it be revealed unto him. Wherefore, brethren, despise not the revelations of God." For behold, by the power of his word, man came upon the face of the earth, which earth was created by the power of his word. Wherefore, if God, being able to speak, and the world was, and to speak, and man was created, O then why not able to command the earth, or the workmanship of his hands upon the face of it, according to his will and pleasure? Wherefore, brethren, seek not to counsel the Lord, but to take counsel from his hand. For behold, ye yourselves know that he counseleth in wisdom, and in justice, and in great mercy over all his works. Wherefore, beloved brethren, be reconciled unto him through the atonement of Christ his only begotten Son, that ye may obtain a resurrection according to the power of the resurrection which is in Christ, and be presented as the firstfruits of Christ unto God, having faith, and obtained a good hope of glory in him, before he manifesteth himself in the flesh. And now, beloved, marvel not that I tell you these things, for why not speak of the atonement of Christ, and attain to a perfect knowledge of Him, as to attain to the knowledge of a resurrection and the world to come? Behold, my brethren, he that prophesieth, let him prophesy to the understanding of men, for the Spirit speaketh the truth, and lieth not." Wherefore it speaketh of things as they really are, and of things as they really will be. Wherefore these things are manifested unto us plainly for the salvation of our souls. But behold, we are not witnesses alone in these things, for God also spake them unto prophets of old. But behold, the Jews were a stiff-necked people, and they despised the words of plainness, and killed the prophets, and sought for things that they could not understand." Wherefore, because of their blindness, which blindness came by looking beyond the mark, they must needs fall. For God hath taken away his plainness from them, and delivered unto them many things which they cannot understand, because they desired it. And because they desired it, God hath done it, that they may stumble. And now I, Jacob, am led on by the Spirit unto prophesying, For I perceive by the workings of the Spirit which is in me that by the stumbling of the Jews they will reject the stone upon which they might build and have safe foundation. But behold, according to the Scriptures, this stone shall become the great and the last and the only sure foundation upon which the Jews can build. And now, my beloved, how is it possible that these, after having rejected the sure foundation, can ever build upon it, that it may become the head of their corner? Behold, my beloved brethren, I will unfold this mystery unto you, if I do not by any means get shaken from my firmness in the spirit, and stumble because of my over-anxiety for you. Behold, my brethren, do ye not remember to have read the words of the prophet Zenos, which he spake unto the house of Israel, saying, Hearken, O ye house of Israel, and hear the words of me, a prophet of the Lord. For behold, thus saith the Lord, I will liken thee, O house of Israel, like unto a tame olive tree, which a man took and nourished in his vineyard, and it grew and waxed old and began to decay. And it came to pass that the master of the vineyard went forth, and he saw that his olive tree began to decay, And he saith, I will prune it, and dig about it, and nourish it, that perhaps it may shoot forth young and tender branches, and it perish not. And it came to pass that he pruned it, and digged about it, and nourished it according to his word. And it came to pass that after many days it began to put forth somewhat a little young and tender branches, but behold the main top thereof began to perish. And it came to pass that the master of the vineyard saw it, and he saith unto his servant, It grieveth me that I should lose this tree. Wherefore go and pluck the branches from a wild olive tree, and bring them hither unto me, and we will pluck off the main branches which are beginning to wither away, and we will cast them into the fire, that they may be burned. And behold, saith the Lord of the vineyard, I take away many of these young and tender branches, and I will graft them whithersoever I will, and it mattereth not that if it so be that the root of this tree will perish, I may preserve the fruit thereof unto myself, Wherefore I will take these young and tender branches, and I will graft them whithersoever I will. Take thou the branches of the wild olive tree, and graft them in in the stead thereof. And these which I have plucked off I will cast into the fire and burn them, that they may not cumber the ground of my vineyard. And it came to pass that the servant of the Lord of the vineyard did according to the word of the Lord of the vineyard, and grafted in the branches of the wild olive tree." And the Lord of the vineyard caused that it should be digged about, and pruned, and nourished, saying unto his servant, It grieveth me that I should lose this tree. Wherefore, that perhaps I might preserve the roots thereof, that they perish not, that I might preserve them unto myself, I have done this thing. Wherefore, go thy way, watch the tree, and nourish it according to my words." And these will I place in the nethermost part of my vineyard, whithersoever I will, it mattereth not unto thee. And I do it, that I may preserve unto myself the natural branches of the tree, and also that I may lay up fruit thereof against the season unto myself, for it grieveth me that I should lose this tree and the fruit thereof. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard went his way, and hid the natural branches of the tame olive tree in the nethermost parts of the vineyard, some in one, and some in another, according to his will and pleasure. And it came to pass that a long time passed away, and the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his servant, Come, let us go down into the vineyard, that we may labor in the vineyard. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard and also the servant went down into the vineyard to labor. And it came to pass that the servant saith unto his master, Behold, look here, behold the tree. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard looked and beheld the tree, in the which the wild olive branches had been grafted, and it had sprang forth and began to bear fruit. And he beheld that it was good, and the fruit thereof was like unto the natural fruit. And he saith unto the servant, Behold, the branches of the wild tree hath taken hold of the moisture of the root thereof, that the root thereof hath brought forth much strength. And because of the much strength of the root thereof, the wild branches have brought forth tame fruit. Now if we had not grafted in these branches, the tree thereof would have perished. And now, behold, I shall lay up much fruit, which the tree thereof hath brought forth and the fruit thereof I shall lay up against the season unto mine own self. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard saith unto the servant, Come, let us go to the nethermost parts of the vineyard, and behold, if the natural branches of the tree hath not brought forth much fruit also, that I may lay up the fruit thereof against the season unto mine own self. And it came to pass, that they went forth, whither the master of the vineyard had hid the natural branches of the tree, and he saith unto the servant, Behold these, and he beheld the first, that it had brought forth much fruit, and he beheld also, that it was good. And he saith unto the servant, Take of the fruit thereof, and lay it up against the season, that I may preserve it unto mine own self. For behold, saith he, this long time have I nourished it, and it hath brought forth much fruit. And it came to pass that the servant saith unto his master, How comest thou hither to plant this tree, or this branch of the tree? For behold, it was the poorest spot in all the land of thy vineyard. And the Lord of the vineyard saith unto him, Counsel me not. I knew that it was a poor spot of ground. Wherefore I said unto thee, I have nourished it this long time, and thou beholdest that it hath brought forth much fruit. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his servant, Look hither! Behold, I have planted another branch of the tree also, and thou knowest that this spot of ground was poorer than the first. But behold the tree! I have nourished it this long time, and it hath brought forth much fruit. Therefore gather it, and lay it up against the season, that I may preserve it unto mine own self. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard saith again unto his servant, Look hither, and behold another branch also which I have planted, Behold that I have nourished it also, and it hath brought forth fruit. And he saith unto the servant, Look hither, and behold the last. Behold this have I planted in a good spot of ground, and I have nourished it this long time, and only a part of the tree hath brought forth tame fruit, and the other part of the tree hath brought forth wild fruit. Behold, I have nourished this tree like unto the others. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard saith unto the servant, pluck off the branches that have not brought forth good fruit, and cast them into the fire. But behold, the servant saith unto him, Let us prune it, and dig about it, and nourish it a little longer, that perhaps it may bring forth good fruit unto thee, that thou canst lay it up against the season. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard and the servant of the Lord of the vineyard did nourish all the fruit of the vineyard. And it came to pass that a long time had passed away, And the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his servant, Come, let us go down into the vineyard, that we may labor again in the vineyard. For behold, the time draweth near, and the end soon cometh, wherefore I must lay up fruit against the season unto mine own self. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard and the servant went down into the vineyard, and they came to the tree whose natural branches had been broken off, and the wild branches had been grafted in, and behold, all sorts of fruit did cumber the tree. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard did taste of the fruit every sort according to its number, and the Lord of the vineyard saith, Behold, this long time have we nourished this tree, and I have laid up unto myself against the season much fruit. But behold, this time it hath brought forth much fruit, and there is none of it which is good. And behold, there are all kinds of bad fruit, and it profiteth me nothing, notwithstanding all our labor." and now it grieveth me that I should lose this tree. And the Lord of the vineyard saith unto the servant, What shall we do unto the tree, that I may preserve again good fruit thereof unto mine own self? And the servant saith unto his master, Behold, because thou didst graft in the branches of the wild olive tree, they have nourished the roots that they are alive, and they have not perished, wherefore thou beholdest that they are yet good. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his servant, The tree profiteth me nothing, and the roots thereof profiteth me nothing, so long as it shall bring forth evil fruit. Nevertheless, I know that the roots are good, and for mine own purpose I have preserved them, and because of their much strength, they have hitherto brought forth from the wild branches good fruit. But behold, the wild branches have grown, and have overrun the roots thereof. And because that the wild branches have overcome the roots thereof, it hath brought forth much evil fruit. And because that it hath brought forth so much evil fruit, thou beholdest that it beginneth to perish. And it will soon become ripened, that it may be cast into the fire, except we should do something for it to preserve it. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard saith unto his servant, Let us go down into the nethermost parts of the vineyard, and behold, if the natural branches have also brought forth evil fruit. And it came to pass that they went down into the nethermost parts of the vineyard, and it came to pass that they beheld that the fruit of the natural branches had become corrupt also, yea, the first, and the second, and also the last, and they had all become corrupt and the wild fruit of the last had overcome that part of the tree which brought forth good fruit, even that the branch had withered away and died. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard wept, and saith unto the servant, What could I have done more for my vineyard? Behold, I knew that all the fruit of the vineyard, save it were these, had become corrupted. And now these which have once brought forth good fruit have also become corrupted. And now all the trees of my vineyard are good for nothing save it be to be hewn down and cast into the fire. And behold this last, whose branch had withered away, I did plant in a good spot of ground, yea, even that which was choice unto me above all other parts of the land of my vineyard. And thou beheldest that I also cut down that which cumbered the spot of ground, that I might plant this tree in the stead thereof. And thou beheldest that a part thereof, which brought forth good fruit, and a part thereof brought forth wild fruit, and because that I plucked not the branches thereof, and cast them into the fire, behold, they have overcome the good branch, that it hath withered away. And now, behold, notwithstanding all the care which we have taken of my vineyard, the trees thereof have become corrupted, that they bring forth no good fruit." and these have I hoped to preserve, to have laid up fruit thereof against the season unto mine own self. But behold, they have become like unto the wild olive tree, and they are of no worth but to be hewn down and cast into the fire, and it grieveth me that I should lose them. But what could I have done more in my vineyard? Have I slackened my hand that I have not nourished it? Nay, I have nourished it, and I have digged it, and I have pruned it, and I have dunged it, and I have stretched forth mine hand almost all the day long, and the end draweth nigh. And it grieveth me that I should hew down all the trees of my vineyard, and cast them into the fire, that they should be burned. Who is it that hath corrupted my vineyard? And it came to pass that the servant saith unto his master, Is it not the loftiness of thy vineyard? Hath not the branches thereof overcome the roots which are good? And because that the branches have overcome the roots thereof, behold, they grew faster than the strength of the roots thereof, taking strength unto themselves. Behold, I say, is not this the cause that the trees of thy vineyard have become corrupted? And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard saith unto the servant, Let us go to and hew down the trees of the vineyard, and cast them into the fire, that they shall not cumber the ground of my vineyard, for I have done all. What could I have done more for my vineyard? But behold, the servant saith unto the Lord of the vineyard, Spare it a little longer. And the Lord saith, Yea, I will spare it a little longer, for it grieveth me that I should lose the trees of my vineyard." Wherefore let us take of the branches of these which I have planted in the nethermost parts of my vineyard, and let us graft them into the tree from whence they came. And let us pluck from the tree those branches whose fruit is most bitter, and graft in the natural branches of the tree in the stead thereof. And this will I do, that the tree may not perish, that perhaps I may preserve unto myself the roots thereof for mine own purpose." And behold, the roots of the natural branches of the tree which I planted, whithersoever I would, are yet alive. Wherefore, that I may preserve them also, for mine own purpose, I will take of the branches of this tree, and I will graft them in unto them. Yea, I will graft in unto them the branches of their mother tree, that I may preserve the roots also unto mine own self, that when they shall be sufficiently strong, that perhaps they may bring forth good fruit unto me, and I may yet have glory in the fruit of my vineyard. And it came to pass that they took from the natural tree which had become wild, and grafted in unto the natural trees which also had become wild. And they also took of the natural trees which had become wild, and grafted into their mother tree. And the Lord of the vineyard saith unto the servant, Pluck not the wild branches from the trees, save it be those which are most bitter, and in them ye shall graft according to that which I have said. And we will nourish again the trees of the vineyard, and we will trim up the branches thereof, and we will pluck from the trees those branches which are ripened that must perish, and cast them into the fire." And this I do, that perhaps the roots thereof may take strength because of their goodness, and because of the change of the branches, that the good may overcome the evil. And because that I have preserved the natural branches and the roots thereof, and that I have grafted in the natural branches again into their mother tree, and have preserved the roots of their mother tree, that perhaps the trees of my vineyard may bring forth again good fruit." and that I may have joy again in the fruit of my vineyard, and perhaps that I may rejoice exceedingly, that I have preserved the roots and the branches of the first fruit. Wherefore go to and call servants, that we may labor diligently with our mites in the vineyard, that we may prepare the way, that I may bring forth again the natural fruit, which natural fruit is good and the most precious above all other fruit. Wherefore let us go to and labor with our mites this last time, For behold, the end draweth nigh, and this is for the last time that I shall prune my vineyard. Graft in the branches, begin at the last, that they may be first, and that the first may be last. And dig about the trees, both old and young, the first and the last, and the last and the first, that all may be nourished once again for the last time. Wherefore dig about them, and prune them, and dung them once more for the last time, for the end draweth nigh. And if it so be that these last grafts shall grow, and bring forth the natural fruit, then shall ye prepare the way for them, that they may grow. And as they begin to grow, ye shall clear away the branches which bring forth bitter fruit, according to the strength of the good and the size thereof. And ye shall not clear away the bad thereof all at once, lest the roots thereof should be too strong for the graft, and the graft thereof shall perish, and I lose the trees of my vineyard for it grieveth me that I should lose the trees of my vineyard. Wherefore ye shall clear away the bad, according as the good shall grow, and the root and the top may be equal in strength, until the good shall overcome the bad, and the bad be hewn down and cast into the fire, that they cumber not the ground of my vineyard, and thus will I sweep away the bad out of my vineyard. And the branches of the natural tree will I graft in again into the natural tree, and the branches of the natural tree will I graft into the natural branches of the tree, and thus will I bring them together again, that they shall bring forth the natural fruit, and they shall be one, and the bad shall be cast away, yea, even out of the land of my vineyard, for behold, only this once will I prune my vineyard. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard sent his servant, and the servant went and did as the Lord had commanded him, and brought other servants, and they were few. And the Lord of the vineyard saith unto them, Go to and labor in the vineyard with your mites, for behold, this is the last time that I shall nourish my vineyard, for the end is nigh at hand, and the season speedily cometh. And if ye labor with your mites with me, ye shall have joy in the fruit which I shall lay up unto myself against the time which will soon come. And it came to pass that the servants did go to it, and labor with their mites. And the Lord of the vineyard labored also with them, and they did obey the commandments of the Lord of the vineyard in all things. And there began to be the natural fruit again in the vineyard, and the natural branches began to grow and thrive exceedingly. And the wild branches began to be plucked off, and to be cast away, and they did keep the root and the top thereof equal, according to the strength thereof. And thus they labored with all diligence, according to the commandments of the Lord of the vineyard, even until the bad had been cast away out of the vineyard, and the Lord had preserved unto himself, that the trees had become again the natural fruit." And they became like unto one body, and the fruit were equal, and the Lord of the vineyard had preserved unto himself the natural fruit, which was most precious unto him from the beginning. And it came to pass, that when the Lord of the vineyard saw that his fruit was good, and that his vineyard was no more corrupt, he called up his servants, and saith unto them, Behold, for this last time have we nourished my vineyard, and thou beholdest, that I have done according to my will." And I have preserved the natural fruit, that it is good, even like as it was in the beginning, and blessed art thou. For because that ye have been diligent in laboring with me in my vineyard, and have kept my commandments, and have brought unto me again the natural fruit, that my vineyard is no more corrupted, and the bad is cast away, behold, ye shall have joy with me because of the fruit of my vineyard. For behold, for a long time will I lay up the fruit of my vineyard unto mine own self against the season which speedily cometh. And for the last time have I nourished my vineyard, and pruned it, and dug about it, and dunged it. Wherefore I will lay up unto mine own self of the fruit for a long time according to that which I have spoken. And when the time cometh that evil fruit shall again come into my vineyard, then will I cause the good and the bad to be gathered." And the good will I preserve unto myself, and the bad will I cast away into its own place, and then cometh the season and the end, and my vineyard will I cause to be burned with fire.
1: Pressure all around me saying, Go ahead, give in, save your soul. Struggling between the enemy and the one only true friend, I'm finding it hard not to slip away. But then I hear you softly calling out my name. Come unto me. this wondrous mercy you have shown Okay
0: the book of Jacob chapter 3 is a fun chapter for me. I love teaching this in my Sunday school class because I'll get everybody together all these you know grown men with scruffy beards and we all sit around a table with crayons and we, we color. And then it was just a, a few weeks ago. We did this lesson, and we brought them upstairs in, in our uh, church after Sunday school. All the kids walk up front, and they they show everybody what they did in Sunday school and what they learned. Well, I brought my class up, and we showed everybody what we did in Sunday school, and we showed them our pictures that we drew. And so you you get to, you you learn this lesson the best if you just break down and act like a child for a little while and get out your crayons and you color and I'll, and I'll try to walk you through it. Um, it's, it's kind of fun, but I don't know. You could probably figure it out for yourself, but if you just give yourself a visual as we're going through this, it'll, it'll help. But before all that, at the beginning of chapter three, there's a lot of good stuff here that Jacob has is verses that he's giving us, um, in the first 30 or so verses that have nothing to do with the prophecy of Zenos. These are just, uh, well, we'll begin chapter four or chapter three verses four, five, and six for, for this intent, have we written these things that they may know that we knew of Christ. And we had a hope of his glory many hundred years before his coming. And not only we ourselves had a hope of his glory, but also all the holy prophets, which were before us. Behold, they believed in Christ, and worshipped the Father in his name, and also we worship the Father in his name. And for this intent we keep the law of Moses, it pointing our souls to him, and for their cause it is sanctified unto us for righteousness, even as it was accounted unto Abraham in the wilderness, to be obedient unto the commands of God in offering up his son Isaac, which is a similitude of God and his only begotten Son. That's a mouthful. That's a that's a lot of principles being displayed there. They knew of Christ. Again, we we, we have this group of people who were descendants of the Jews, who dis, this family who obeyed the commandments of God. And, and when the prophets were saying, repent, Jerusalem, you're going to be destroyed. These guys got out of Jerusalem and these were people who believed in Christ. And so they came to the Americas. And so we have this This uh, Well, this branch, if you will, in the Americas who believe in Christ. And they, for this intent, we have written these things that they may know. The the they that they're talking about is their children and their descendants. I think I should have included that in verse 3. But this is the intent of the Book of Mormon, right? So that their descendants may know someday who Jesus Christ was and how important Jesus Christ is. And that that is the focus of all the prophets Uh, moving on. I think I've hit that that sentiment many times that these people, they kept the law of Moses because they believed in Christ. They didn't keep the law of Moses like in Jerusalem, uh, hoping for a Christ who was in their likeness, uh, who was a savior that they wanted. These guys here understood who Christ was. Verse seven, wherefore we have searched the prophets and we have many revelations and the spirit of prophecy and having all these witnesses, we obtain a hope. And our faith becometh unshaken, in so much that we truly can command in the name of Jesus, and the very trees obey us, or the mountains, or the waves of the sea. I love that verse. I love the power that they had, the power of 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 Christ, of of the the Spirit that is with them, because of their faith. They they had a hope. They had these prophecies, these revelations, and they obtained a hope. And their faith became unshaken. So the whole faith, hope, and charity thing, how it works together, it's kind of displayed there how hope and faith are related. These prophecies and these revelations and these witnesses they had, they obtained a hope. We always say it's always faith, hope, and charity. Well, I know you have to have faith to obtain hope, but sometimes it helps if you have that hope. And that hope is confirmed your faith. So, so some somehow faith and hope I think are are, are intertwined in my in my understanding, and and so you need them both. Uh, verse eight. Nevertheless, the Lord God showeth us our weakness, that we may know that it is by His grace and His great condescensions unto the children of men that we have power to do these things. So I love this verse. It showeth our weakness. If you turn to Ether five thirty eight. And Second Corinthians twelve ten, you'll see other verses that talk about uh, man's weakness and how he, through our weakness, he makes us strong. And it is the, and because thou hast seen thy weakness, thou shalt be made strong. Um, and th- that's the part in Ether. There's that's only part of the verse, but you recognize your weakness, and that makes you strong. He shows us our weakness, and that is how we obtain his grace. Um, it's kind of how it works. And again, second Corinthians 12, 10 and verse 13. This, I love this verse. Wherefore, if God being able to speak and the world was and to speak and man was created, Oh, then why not able to command the earth or the workmanship of his hands upon the face of it, according to his will and pleasure. Wherefore brethren seek not to counsel the Lord, but to take counsel from his hand. Uh, the sentiment there. I mean, it's pretty obvious you don't counsel the Lord, right? If power exists, he has it, right? He, he can speak and the world becomes and speak and man was created. So why couldn't they command mountains or, or, or the trees obey them or the waves of the sea? That's an incredible power that they had. They they had something special. These people, these Nephites at the beginning, uh, they had a great understanding of the power of God. Verse 16 Wherefore, beloved brethren, be reconciled unto him through the atonement of Christ, his only begotten son. That's pretty straightforward, a very short verse. And this is what you what you have to do. Be reconciled unto God through the atonement of Christ, his only begotten son. It shows the importance of Christ. It shows who we who we are ultimately beholding to is God. And it is through Jesus Christ that his sacrifice that gets us there. Verses twenty-four and twenty-five. This shows a very basic rule, and this is this God does not change. This is how God works, and this is how what you have to understand it. But sometimes in this world, there's there's people who who you just have to. I think it says in some places where you just shake the dust off of your feet, and you you don't waste your time anymore. Verse 24, for God hath taken away his plainness from them and delivered unto them many things which they cannot understand. And then in a different color, because they desired it and because they desired it, God hath done it, that they may stumble. So the sentiment there is kind of, why would God do that? You know, God did it, something bad to them, took away their knowledge so that they will stumble. And that that is what happened but the the purpose of it or the reason for it the cause of it is because they desired it and because they desired it god did this so there comes a time when god you know we we if you are he is reaching out to you all the day long waiting for you to reach back but there comes a time eventually when he sees that you don't desire to reach back you have no desire to to come closer to god and so when he recognizes that, he shakes the dust off of his feet and walks away. He, he leaves you to your desires and you are turned over to a reprobate mind, as it is says in Romans. So there comes a point where the, I think it says the spirit ceases to strive with man. This is another one of those verses that shows this basic principle of God. If you are taken in iniquity to the point where you no longer desire good that is, that is the cutting off point. God will allow you to have your life, your time, your probation to be evil. And it's that same sentiment when I see the, uh, the flags that are waving recently about, um, uh, well, I don't believe in people's lifestyle. You've seen the rainbow flags, right? I don't believe that is right for me. But I do believe they have the right to have that lifestyle. God will give you your... You have the right to choose evil. And and so in my mind, it's you're choosing evil. And I can't take away your right to choose evil. And I and I believe those people have the right to live that way. And the, it's burden, than some, burdensome to me. I don't want them to live that way. I don't want that lifestyle to be prevalent. I will shield my family from it. I think I have the right to not be... Have your lifestyle forced upon me also, right? So... <laughs> so it's a two-way street, I guess. And there's a fine line there. There comes a point where I will not tolerate you flashing your your evil in my face, right. And then at the same time, I I have to allow you to choose evil, but just you know I have the right to my you know dignity and res- respect my space too. you know Let's both live here let's both get along. I I do hope someday that you have a change of mind, but at the same time I can't allow or I have to protect my my family and my uh, beliefs from being uh, accosted by your uh, tactics of in your face demanding so much of Christians. it's not it's not fair that we have to be the ones yielding all the time and God God allows them to be, To Make that choice and I allow them to make that choice too. just don't take your choice and and shove shove it in my face All right, go take your choice somewhere else and I will take my choices and I'll live over here Let's coexist peacefully, but there's no need to be and i'm really going off on a tangent here There's no need for us to to fight about it Anyways, let's move on verse 31 for behold thus saith the lord. I will liken thee o house of israel like unto a tame olive tree which a man took and nourished in his vineyard, and it grew and waxed old and began to decay. So here's the beginning of the prophecy of Zenos. It starts in verse 31, and it goes through the end of the chapter. And so the beginning is Israel is a tame olive tree. So if you were drawing on a piece of paper in the middle, you would draw the word Israel. And growing out of that, it would be a, a tree. So Israel, I would say, is the roots and growing out of Israel above it, if you could kind of take the E of Israel or the, the S of Israel and wind it around in the E and the L and kind of just have them wiggle off into little little roots, right? And then above the ground, you have the branches that are growing up out of it. And in verse 35, I have this highlighted, agree with me that I should lose this tree. So to me, this is the shows the the love of God towards Israel, the promise he made to to Israel. And this is this tree is special to him. Israel is special. And this tree, these the is special to him. And it grieveth God that he should lose that tree. And then verse 36, wherefore, go and pluck the branches from a wild olive tree and bring them hither unto me. And we will pluck off those main branches which are beginning to wither away. And we will cast them into the fire that they may be burned. And behold, saith the Lord of the Vineyard, I take away many of these young and tender branches, and I will graft them whithersoever I will. Now, in this picture, we have somewhere on the side, maybe on a different piece of paper, even. Uh, but take you're you're gonna take a, a cutters and you're gonna cut some branches off of your tree. Um, you don't have to actually cut, but you would say this. This tree branch is going to be planted over here, and it is a branch of that same tree, and it is going to be planted somewhere else. And this wild olive tree is going to be grafted into the tame tree, and the wild olive tree is the gent uh, the Gentiles, and we have these uh, peoples. Uh, who the, the church is going out. So from Israel, it began to corrupt and die. And so what happens is to save the tree and, and the the church of Christ that he sets up, the, the gospel goes out to the Gentiles. Verse 39, wherefore I will take these young and tender branches and I will graft them whithersoever I will take thou the branches of the wild olive tree and graft them in in the stead thereof. So he's taken wild branches and He's taking uh, natural branches and cutting them off and he's saving them to, to graft them in in other parts of the vineyard. And he's taking wild olive branches and putting them in in place thereof. So he's swapping out wild olive branches for tender uh, natural branches. And he's taking the young and tender branches and he's placing them in other parts of the vineyard. The vineyard is the world. And he's taken parts of the descendants of Israel and he's putting them whithersoever he will. Next verse is 48. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard went his way and hid the natural branches of the tame olive tree and the nethermost most parts of the vineyard, some in one and some in another, according to his will and pleasure. And it came to pass that a long time passed away. And verse 52. And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard looked and beheld the tree in the which the wild olive branches had been grafted, and it had sprung forth and began to bear fruit. And behold, I'm going to keep going 53 through 56. And behold, that it was good. And he beheld that it was good, and the fruit thereof was like unto the natural fruit. And so we, here we have the early Gentile church. And he said unto the servant, Behold, the branches of the wild tree hath taken hold of the moisture of the root thereof, and the root thereof hath brought forth much strength. And because of the much strength and of the root thereof, the wild branches have brought forth tame fruit. Now, if we had not grafted in these branches, the tree thereof would have perished. So, if the gospel didn't go to the uh, Gentiles the Jewish church would have perished, I guess. That's kind of how I read that. And so there was a purpose in the gospel when Christ was here. It was just among the Jews until he fulfilled the law of Moses. And then the gospel went to out into all the world, right? You had all the Gentile churches and all the Paul doing his thing. And, and just uh, that's what that verse is referring to. Verse 60. And he beheld the first that it had brought forth much fruit. And he beheld also that it was good. So he's talking about there. So there was three places he put branches. And I think we're going to read about it now. Verse 62. For behold, said he, this long time have I nourished it, and it hath brought forth much fruit. And it came to pass that the servant said unto his master, How comest thou hither to plant this tree or this branch of the tree? For behold, it was the poorest spot in all the land of thy vineyard so i'm thinking of a really cruddy part of the world some place where something wouldn't grow spiritually some place where you it could be metaphorically both i guess uh, a poor spot of ground where something would not grow but god caused something to grow there And the servant is saying, where did you put it over here? This is a a poor spot of ground. And then at the second half of verse 65, behold, I have planted another branch of the tree also. And thou knowest that this spot of ground was poorer than the first. So now we have two spots, a poor spot and an even poorer spot. And then you jump to the second half of verse 67. And behold, another branch also, which I have planted. Behold, that I have nourished it also. And it hath brought forth much. And it hath brought forth fruit. And he said unto the servant, "So I'm going to stop there. That sounds like an, a third spot. It doesn't really matter to me about the third one. I just know that there was a first one in a poor spot of ground, a second one in a poorer spot of ground. So on your on your drawing, where these branches that you drew on your piece of paper, you got Israel and is a tree in the middle, and you brought forth, uh, you you kind of grafted in with a different color branch, and then you have uh, branches that are the the wild." the Gentile branches that come in and they brought forth good fruit. So you're going to color in some nice, pretty fruit there. And the wild branches that were in other parts of the world, you're going to below it say, well, this one was planted here and below it. Now you're going to write poor spot of ground. And underneath another one, you're going to put poorer spot of ground. And these brought forth good fruit. And this last one in verse 68, and he said unto the servant, look hither and behold the last behold, this have I planted in a good spot of ground. And I have nourished it this long time, and only part of the tree hath brought forth tame fruit, and the other part of the tree hath brought forth wild fruit. Behold, I have nourished this tree like unto the others. So, on on your piece of paper, and a third spot away from the, the Israel tree, and the third spot, it's a good spot of ground. And you you split this tree up into two. One of them brought forth one side of the branch, brought forth good fruit, and another branch goes off in another direction, and it brought forth bad fruit, wild fruit. And verse 69 now, And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard said unto the servant, Pluck off the branches that have not brought forth good fruit and cast them into the fire. But behold, the servant said unto him, Let us prune it and dig about it and nourish it a little longer that perhaps it may bring forth good fruit unto thee, that thou canst lay it up against the season. When I think of this verse, so it's like God was saying, you know, destroy them all, and Christ inter- intervenes in the story. And so th- because of that, there are still some unrighteous, or not completely righteous, either way you look at it, just the more unrighteous were, were destroyed in the in the. Uh, crucifixion catastrophe and and Christ persuades him or the servant who I'm saying is Christ persuades God to let them grow together and God acquiesces. And so this is the plan. And now in verse 72, and it came to pass that a long time had passed away in my book of Mormon. I have to the side, I have written the apostasy. That is the, the line of demarcation. As I read through this, this, the story I look at this point, verse 72, as the beginning of the apostasy. And there's a lot more. We're going to jump down to verse 77. But behold, this time it hath brought forth much fruit, and there is none of it which is good. So now the end of the apostasy or, or during the apostasy, here it is. They're, they're scoping out the world again, and they're looking at their vineyard, and nothing is good. There's, it is all bad. That's why I'm saying this at the beginning of the apostasy. They let it go for a long time and then they come back and there's nothing good. And there in verse 78, and behold, there are all kinds of bad fruit and it profiteth me nothing, notwithstanding all our labor. And now it grieveth me that I should lose this tree. And he's still talking about when he says this tree, this, that he's talking about. Remember at the beginning, I said, it grieve. He, I highlighted that verse, It with me that I should lose this tree. He's saying it again. and And he's talking about the Israel tree in the middle of your picture. Verse 80, And the servant said unto his master, Behold, because thou didst graft in the branches of the wild olive tree, they have nourished the roots that they are alive, and they have not perished. Wherefore, thou beholdest that they are yet good. He's talking about Israel, where it says Israel on your paper. Those are the roots that are still good. The tree above ground, it is not bringing forth good fruits. You know, this is the middle of the apostasy and nothing is visibly good anywhere. You know, the Jews were, are, are a hardy people. They stuck to their traditions in spite of all kinds of obstacles. They are worse strong. Aren't they in history? They have gone through the worst that could happen to a people and they still kept their identity. That is, if if that does not define strong roots, that is nothing else does that. That is a a perfect example of how uh, Israel is and how precious they are to God. Verse 81 And it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard said unto his servant, The tree profiteth me nothing, and the roots thereof profiteth me nothing, so long as it shall bring forth evil fruit. Nevertheless, I know that the roots are good, and for mine own purpose I have preserved them. And because of their much strength, they have hitherto brought forth from the wild branches good fruit. So God is recognizing this. I highlight those verses. I like the thought that He has a purpose for what happened to Israel. And, and really, it's written in, in uh, the books of uh, the, boy, I can't think of it, the first five books of the Moses. Um, but that's what we're talking about, the first five books of the Law of Moses. And verse 87, and it came to pass that they beheld that the fruit of the natural branches had become corrupt also. Uh, yea, the first and the second and also the last, and they had all become corrupt. So again, we're talking about, I'm still in this era of the apostasy. And he's numbering these places, the first and the second. Remember, the first was a poor spot of ground. The second was an even poorer spot of ground. And there was a third one that it made reference to, but he's also, at this point, only talking about the last. So in spite of the fact that earlier in our drawing, if you wanted to build a or draw that third, the poor, the poorer, and then another, and then he refers to the last... That's fine. But from here on out, y'all, all you hear about is the poor, the poorer spot of ground, the poor spot of ground, the poorer spot of ground, and then the good spot of ground. And so the last is the good spot of ground. And verse 88. And the wild fruit of the last had overcome that part of the tree which brought forth good fruit, even that the branch had withered away and died. This is how we identify this, uh, who this is, this spot of ground, which was a uh, good spot of ground. We, um, we're we calling that America. Um, it talks about how he, he cleared everything away. There were no other people here. It was just these civilizations that were sent by God to be here. And th- so the Olmec, the uh, Jaredites, they were gone and only this branch was left. So he he got rid of every civilization that was here for this these people, these descendants of Lehi. And the Lamanites, they were divided into Lamanites and Nephites, and the Lamanites are what was left and they defeated the the, the Nephites. And so verse 88 and the, in the margin, I have Lamanites. That's who that branch was. And that identifies that spot of ground that identifies who the last branch is. That's why this is important is because we want to know who, who that last branch was. And I think it's clearly identified as the Americas and the Lamanites. We're going to turn the page and we're on verse 104. And this is 104 through 107. This is a good section that explains the nature of man and how this vineyard can become corrupt. So when the apostasy happened and the the spirit of God was taken away, the, 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 the spirit of God, the uh, church was taken away. The authority of the priesthood was taken away. This is how, what was left. This is what man had left. And this is when it was left to its own. Who is it that has corrupted my vineyard? And it came to pass that the servant said unto his master, Is it not the loftiness of thy vineyard? Have not the branches thereof overcome the roots which are good? And because the branches have overcome the roots thereof, behold, they grew faster than the strength of the roots, taking strength unto themselves. So I like that, taking strength unto themselves. It's a, it, There's a metaphor there, and you can kind of draw your own conclusion whether it's pride, whether it's the nature of man, whether, you know, of the absence of uh, the influence of, of the church of Christ being, you know, it was overcome by the loftiness of the branches. So those roots just just were overcome by the, I, when I read it, I think it's just the nature of man. Verse 112, wherefore let us take the of the branches of these, which I have planted in the nethermost parts of my vineyard, let us graph them into the tree from whence they came. And now I have this this verse highlighted, but in in uh, verse 112, I highlight in a different color or it's underlined. And yet the, the words, the tree is highlighted. And then in verse 113, I highlight the tree. And then I highlight again, the tree. He says it three times in verse 112 and 113. And then in verse 114, I have highlighted the words, the tree. It is very clear what we're talking about when, when, it's it's that same tree that was it with me that I should lose this tree. That's the one he's talking about, the tree. So uh, he takes all these uh, branches of these that I've planted in the nethermost parts of my vineyard and let us graft them into the tree and let us pluck from the tree those branches whose fruit is most bitter and graft in the natural branches of the tree in the stead thereof. And this will I do that the tree may not perish, that perhaps I may preserve unto myself the roots thereof for mine own purpose. Now this tree is the middle one in your picture with the roots that say Israel. And now he's taking the some of the, the bad branches of this tree when nothing is bringing forth fruit and he's cutting them off and he's bringing back branches from the other parts of the vineyard. Verse 115, 116, and 117. Now this gets a little tricky verse 150 and behold, the roots of the natural branches of the tree which I have planted, whithersoever I would are yet alive. So what he's saying here is these these branches that he planted in other places, they, they sprouted their own roots. When you take a, a branch, sometimes you can grow a, a whole tree out of it. Um, I'm not the, a farmer, but this is this happens. You, you can you can plant a branch and it'll grow roots. Uh, So the roots of these natural branches that he planted in other parts of the vineyard, they grew roots and they are still the good. They're still part of that tree and they are alive. Wherefore, that I may preserve them also for mine own purpose, I will take of the branches of this tree and I will graft them in unto them. So the word this tree in 116 towards the end, I highlight that yellow. And so we have him taking branches from the, the branches that were planted all over the place and they're bringing him back to the tree, the mother tree, and he's getting rid of the bad tr- branches and and putting these in instead. But he's also taking branches from the mother tree and taking them back out to those places where he cut off branches. So he's transplanting again both both ways. And verse 117, Yea, I will graft in unto them the branches of their mother tree, that I may preserve the roots also. So these are the descendants of these people all over the world. So we know the descendants of Israel are still there, and he still loves those roots. But now he's trying to preserve the roots, the descendants of those transplanted uh, branches he wants those too, too. He's trying to protect them and save them. And so he's transplanting from the mother tree out to those people, out to those peoples that are in the poor spot of ground, the poor spot of ground, and the good spot of ground. And he's bringing uh, the gospel or, or let me see, he's bringing, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's a branch of this mother tree. So the the symbolism is there. You can draw your own conclusions, whether he's bringing the gospel to them, whether he's bringing, he, he's he's taking something to them. And it's those people. It's the roots of that tree that was planted there that are still good. And, and if Israel is still the root of the mother tree, then the descendants of Israel, that or the, or the, the parts of those branches that he planted everywhere in the vineyard, the roots of them are other people and they are still good and God wants to preserve them. He wants to preserve the roots of those branches that he planted everywhere. So in my mind that is the descendants of those people that are still there. It's it's a it's very symbolic. It's a lot of imagery and you kind of have to bring your own what does this mean? Uh, your own conclusion. In my mind when it says that these are my uh, this is my take. And so part of this also is the branches that he's bringing to them is the Bible and Book of Mormon and the gospel of Christ again. And so you have this this uh, plan that is being laid out. And so 119, And they also took of the natural trees, which had become wild, and grafted into their mother tree. So their Gentiles gospel, right, is going back to the Jewish people. And the Jewish people uh, and their tree, their gospel is going back to descendants of these people who are planted everywhere. So in my mind, the the figurative language there, it kind of shows me that the Bible and Book of Mormon are one. And so somewhere along here, we have the end of the apostasy somehow. And I'm not sure exactly where it is, where it takes place, but in somewhere between 112 and 119, there is this description of history taking place and I know that the and and in my mind I I say I know I believe that the Bible and Book of Mormon are together now and they're combining the the branches of this tree and the branches of this tree and one of them we know is Israel and the other one we knew was uh uh, planted somewhere else but there it's the those descendants of those people and so that's kind of what I'm going with It, it may I may be wrong but I like this this it makes sense to me this way so here's now the next thing that happens, and this is odd, but I'll try to explain this. I draw a line between verse 119 and verse 120, and it has nothing to do, it, there has to be a distinction between these two verses, because at, at verse starting at verse 120, we have an explanation of what 119 means, and not just 119, but 119 through 112. So that's history being told of how it's going to happen, and then we have 120 through to 135, and I label that whole section uh, the plan or God's command. And the reason why I say that is because at the beginning of 120, it says, and the Lord of the vineyard said, and so right here, this is no longer history. This is no longer actions. This is is God talking, and he's giving commandments. He's giving the plan. He's giving direction on how this is going to happen, and whether he's explaining 112 through 119 or... Or, because after 135, at 136, I think is the execution of the plan. So 119 to 136 is the beginning of the history part. But this section in the middle is this, is God talking, and this is, he's giving directions to the son, to the servant. Uh, verse 120, and the Lord of the vineyard said unto the servant, pluck not the wild branches from the trees, save it be those which are most bitter. And in them ye shall graft according to that which I have said. And so, so this is the plan. This is what I want you to do. And, and the plan is to graft in these branches from one from these tree and once from these tree and, and cross cross transplant them. And so these are directions. And, and so that makes me think that 119, 112 and 119 hasn't happened yet, because now we're getting the description of what the plan is. Uh, 123 and because that I have preserved the natural branches and the roots thereof, and that I have grafted in the natural branches again into their mother tree and have preserved the roots of their mother tree, that perhaps the trees of my vineyard may bring forth again, good fruit. So he's, this is all part of the plan. It sounds like it's in this part, it looks, reads like it's already happened that they've been transplanted, but I want to look at verse 125 also, wherefore go to and call servants that we may labor diligently with our mites in the vineyard, that we may prepare the way that I may bring forth again the natural fruit, which natural fruit is good and the most precious above all other fruit. So here's my dilemma. If, th- if this is him calling servants, this is either 1830. Or if 1830 happened at verses 112 and 119 in that era, which I kind of think is possible too because I because I kind of have this label both ways I don't know exactly but in 125 this could be the beginning of or the end of the apostasy but I think that happened already when the transplanting of the the roots and he's trying to save roots and and he's and he's cross sending uh, branches to different places so in 125 it could be something different it could be like a a more uh, an actual resurgence post 1830. So something, and and the reason why I say this is that there's, there's a movement that's, and it's because in verse 126 and 127 that follows it. So it seems to me that either this is 1830 and it happens really fast Or 1830 and the the restoration of the church happened somewhere back in 112 to 119. And that now in 18 and verse 125, when he says, call servants so we may labor diligently with our mites in the vineyard. Then this is something that is going to happen right and around and near the time of verses 126 and 127. So verse 126, wherefore, let us go to and labor with our mites this last time. For behold, the end draweth nigh, and this is for the last time that I shall prune my vineyard. Graft in the branches, begin at the last, that they may be first. And I'm going to stop right there. If then this is, verse 125, a resurgence of, of calling servants to labor with our mites, then it happened at or around or near you know 1950 when the gospel came back to uh, Mexico, to Nomencio Shu. So that puts our time frame now, if this is the, that means that this last time that we labor with our mites started a long time ago, 60 years ago. I mean, just let that sink in. This is the last time I will labor with, we will labor with our mites. This last time I shall prune my vineyard, graft in the branches, bring, begin at the last that they may be first. So we're talking about grafting branches here in one twelve and one nineteen, and so we're taking and we're cross uh, 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 we're we're giving them the gospel of Christ now again to those descendants. So, to me, I think the distinction of verses one hundred and twenty through one hundred and thirty six is God's plan. And let's keep reading God's plan. Uh, and the first uh, is at the end of verse 127, and the first may be last. So he's also going to that poor spot of ground and dig about the trees, both old and young, the first and the last and the last and the first that all may be nourished once again for the last time. So I'm throwing in those other middle ones, the poor spot of ground also. So he's going to begin at the last and he's also going to do the first and he's going to do the first and the last. So we're going to go in reverse order. And it begins with the, the people our Mayan brothers and sisters. And that happened in 1950. And now here's an interesting verse in verse 130. And as they begin to grow, ye shall clear away the branches which bring forth bitter fruit according to the strength of the good and the size thereof. And ye shall not clear away the bad thereof all at once, lest the roots thereof should be too strong for the graft and the graft thereof shall perish and I lose the trees of my vineyard. So this is interesting. We heard a sermon where uh we are told to level up. You know, you got to you got to level up, you got to take yourself to this higher level. And I'm not contradicting that. I'm just going to disagree a little bit. <laughs> not that it's never bad to level up, but uh what I'm what I see here is we 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 do have to level up, but the the consequences if you don't level up is that you're going to be cut off anyways. Our we cannot dictate the Actions of God, right? They've been dictated. They've been laid out in scripture. And so in verse 130, he says, as they begin to grow, and I think he's talking about the people of the last that that last branch, as our Mayan brothers and sisters grow in Christ, as they gain in strength, they are the root. And as that root grows in strength, then the top branches which are bitter, which have bad fruit, are as the root grows in strength, we're going to start purging away the unrighteousness in the church of Christ as the roots grow stronger. So, so yes, level up because if you don't, as the roots grow strength, God will cut you out. So I'm not disagreeing with him, but I'm saying our purpose, our level up is for our own benefit, but we cannot dictate how fast this is going. We're going to keep an eye on the people of our Mayan brothers and sisters who are uh, learning the, 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 the Lamanite descendants, as they grow in strength and numbers and that movement grows, the, the Church of Christ will begin to lose the more unrighteous parts of us. And it's just, it's going to be cause and effect. When we see the Church growing in all of these poor and poorer spots of ground, Philippines, East Africa, Was that grows, we have to realize that the consequence that goes with it is that God will purge from his church those branches which have bitter fruit. And it's just, it's going to happen. So yes, level up, but we are not going to level up and then force the growth of the church in these other places. It's kind of the other way around. As the roots grow, as you see the gospel growing in these other places, that is your sign people, that is your indicator that you have got to be changing your life and leveling up. So so I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying that the cause and effect are in a different order, or maybe I didn't understand uh, our brother and his sermon, but the, but for sure level up because if you don't, as the church grows in these places, you are going to be cut off. God will take away those branches, which are are not good that fruit that is not good. Verse 132 through 134. For it grieveth me that I should lose the trees of my vineyard, wherefore ye shall clear away the bad, according as the good shall grow, that the root and the top may be equal in strength, until the good shall overcome the bad, and the bad be hewn down and cast into the fire, that they cumber not the ground of my vineyard. And thus will I sweep away the bad out of my vineyard, And the branches of the natural tree will I graft in again unto the natural tree. And the branches of the natural tree will I graft into the natural branches of the tree. And thus will I bring them together again, that they shall bring forth the natural fruit, and they shall be one. So this section of verses here, he's talking, what I think is interesting here is now we've got such a uh, branches that have been taken out of the tree and planted somewhere else. And then the fruit and branches of the wild tree brought in. And then those branches have been cut purged and we're taking branches back into the natural uh, branches. And so it's confusing. It's confusing. And now you're beginning to wonder, well, which trees and which bush is the one that is. And the truth of it is they're all one. They're all one. They're not, there's no more distinction of the promises to Israel. That is gone now. And the Book of Mormon has shown that, and I've, and I've studied that with you in other chapters. There, there is no more Jews and Gentiles. It is now, do you believe in Christ or do you not believe in Christ? And whether you're Jewish or not, it won't matter. You're no longer God's chosen people because you're Jewish. You are God's chosen people because you believe in Christ. And the distinction is no more. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't love those people. He is, he's put in a plan to recover them. Because of their roots, which are strong. But it says here, they shall all be, they shall be one. And there is no more this branch and that branch. And let me preserve the fruit back to this tree, which I love the most, right? They're all one because of they've been transplanted and and grafted in and grafted back and grafted in and grafted back again. That they, they're just the same. They're all the, the fruit of my vineyard is good. And so we have the end of... Verse 135 and the beginning of verse 136. And you have this distinction now of this is no more commandments and rules and the plan. Now it's let's go execute it. Now it is the beginning of the plan. And it starts with, and it came to pass that the Lord of the vineyard sent his servant. So now we have actions happening. It's no more detailing what the plan is. It's no more give you understanding of what this means. Now it's time to go to, right? It's time to do it. And it's it's more distinct at verse 137. And this is your bumper sticker verse, right? Just the last half of it. Go to and labor in the vineyards with your mites. And that's the time period we're in. That's the time frame we're in. This now is talking about verse 125. Wherefore, go to and call servants that we may labor diligently with our mites. And I think this is the time frame that we're in right now. Let's go to verse 140. And this is the part that is intriguing here, verse one forty. I have the second half of it underlined. And the Lord of the Vineyard labored also with them, and they did obey the commandments of the Lord of the Vineyard in all things. I love that. So, and it came to. I'll just read the whole thing. And it came to pass that the servants did go and labor with their mights, and the Lord of the Vineyard labored with also with them. And I, I got you can't stop there. I guess let's go one thirty eight through one forty. And behold, this is the last time that I shall nourish my vineyard, for the end is nigh at hand, and the season speedily cometh. And if ye labor with your mites with me, ye shall have joy in the fruit which I shall lay up unto myself against the time which will soon come. And it came to pass that the servants did go and labor with their mites, and the Lord of the vineyard labored also with them. That gives me encouragement. That gives me a, a belief that you know maybe Christ has come back by verse 140. Maybe it's just an outpouring of the spirit. I I don't know, but it sounds to me that Christ himself is here. Uh, It says the Lord. So it'd be God uh, and by the, by the rules of how this works, but uh, Christ is an extension of God. And that's what we know is the the condition that's going to happen. So verse 141, and there began to be the natural fruit again in the vineyard and the natural branches began to grow and thrive exceedingly. And the wild branches began to be plucked off and to be cast away and they did keep the root and the top thereof equal according to the strength thereof so as it grows as the as the bush grows as the world accepts the the principles of the gospel of christ you know here's the thing that happens and the wild branches began to be plucked off and to be cast away there's going to be i mean what does christ do when he comes here he he there's a big you know war and and all these evil people are killed and and there's just a uh, Christ and his servants laboring in all the world to teach the gospel of Christ. Uh, Verse 143, And thus they labored with all diligence, according to the commandments of the Lord of the vineyard, even until the bad had been cast away out of the vineyard, and the Lord had preserved unto himself that the trees had become again the natural fruit. And they became like unto one body, and the fruit were equal. And the Lord of the vineyard had preserved unto himself the natural fruit, which was most precious unto him from the beginning." So I don't know. I kind of if that is the millennial reign beginning there. The time it says go to and labor with your mites and the servant and went and labored and the Lord of the vineyard labored with them, and it's just the time frame of it is right now. But they've been saying that forever, right? <laughs> it just uh it just worries me. Not it doesn't worry me. It's exciting to see, and the uh, if this interpretation is wrong, I apologize. These are my thoughts. This is how I, I read that that this is, it's so close. It, happened, it started 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. Goodness, I'm old. Uh, I forget what year it is, 2019 already. Now let's turn to verse 151. And when the time cometh that evil fruit shall again come into my vineyard, then will I cause the good and the bad to be gathered. And the good will I preserve unto myself, and the bad will I cast away into its own place. And then cometh the season in the end, and my vineyard will I cause to be burned with fire. That verse 153 makes me think this is the last judgment. This is the earth is rolled up and burned away with fire. So this is not the beginning of the millennial reign. This is judgment day. This is the end. This is it. This is when we're all standing before God and there's a new heaven and new earth. So that's why I'm thinking the millennial reign starts earlier. There is a verse in 148, For behold, for a long time will I lay up of the fruit of my vineyard unto mine own self against the season which speedily cometh. So that just defines the speedily cometh as I think the last day. And it defines the for a long time, will I lay up the fruit of my vineyard as the millennial reign. Verse 147, as we see the indicator that maybe this is the beginning and the return of Christ, but it all could be encapsulated all the way back to verse 141. And when 140, when the Lord of the labored, Lord of the vineyard labored also with them. So those are my thoughts on this verse, on this chapter. It's kind of fun. You get a, a paper out and you start drawing and you can visualize it better and you can understand what is trying to be taught to us. And there are principles that have been taught before about the Israel no longer being the they're still the covenant people but the covenant is not just reserved to them it's to anyone who will believe in Christ and there's so many cross uh, grafting of branches that Israel is just everywhere it's all over the vineyard Israel has been transplanted everywhere and those branches that I've put everywhere I've I've preserved and I know their roots and I want to save as many of their roots as I can and so the promise is no longer just about Israel and we've proven that in other verses here in the Book of Mormon and these concepts in the Book of Mormon are made more clear than they are in the Bible and I think that's the that's the beauty of it that's why I, I prefer talking Book of Mormon in this way to people who believe the Book of Mormon um, the next so this this whole prophecy of the of these branches the lessons were to, were to learn here. That gives us a time frame that is right now that started in nineteen fifty something something fifty five I don't know we'll take the middle when the gospel was brought back to Numencio Shu and his home and he said this is our book and so it's two thousand nineteen now that's that's a long time that's you know uh, uh seventy four years sixty four uh, I can't do math forty five plus nineteen sixty four years uh we are we are way past that uh verse which is where did i say that was and now we're or 127 begin at the last that happened you know 64 years ago and so where are we now looking looking past that where what section of this are we in and i just think it's it's uh the way i understand it we're somewhere between 136 and 140 somewhere in there it's a kind of a that we're told to go to and labor in the vineyard with our mites and sooner or later the lord of the vineyard will labor with us so that's the lesson of chapter
1: 3 that